when Israel under Joshua was possessing the promised land, <clears throat> oftentimes God told him, you are to go in and you are to destroy those people. You're to kill every man, every woman, and every child. I found that difficult to understand. And yet, you know what God was doing? Those nations, those people had rejected God. And each one where he said you are to destroy all of them had children killed to worship their gods. And God was so aggravated with them. He didn't want that to grow. And I wonder, I know God hates abortion. And I wonder if he doesn't look at that. Kind of like sacrificing children to the God of convenience. And how long? Oh, how long will he put up with it? I don't know. But I want to think about it this morning. I want to read from the 8th chapter of, of Romans. Those of you that were in my Sunday school class will remember that we were in the 8th chapter when Pastor took it over. And he has been teaching differently. But Romans is a, well, if it's not my favorite chapter, it's my second. I always tell a new Christian, when an individual gets saved, I tell them to start reading their Bible. But don't start with Genesis. I say, read John, the Gospel of John. In fact, you might read it two or three times. <clears throat> and then go into Romans. I read years ago, a pastor was having a pastor's conference. And he had several hundred pastors there. And he asked them, he said, if you only had one chapter out of the Word of God, what would be, I mean, one book out of the Word of God, which book would you choose? And he said, almost, it was probably 98 or 99 percent, said Romans. So I think it's important. Because John tells us about Jesus Christ. We're told he's God. And Romans 
Romans points to your responsibilities in mind. You know, I think sometimes we quit witnessing to a person who has just got saved. Now we all know, and, and I'm speaking to people this morning that are no doubt saved. There's been a time in your life when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If there isn't, let me tell you something. Today is the day of salvation. If you're not saved, don't you dare walk out of here without getting that settled. But salvation is not the finish line. It's a starting point. And God, yes, salvation is a gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But once you have it, there is a responsibility. And we fall far short of letting people know that. And as we look to the new year, I want to ask you a question. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ in 2023? Or maybe that's not the question I want to ask. Perhaps the proper question is what are you going to allow Jesus Christ to do with you in 2023? God has a plan. And his plan is going to be worked out. But there's something I want you to understand this morning. God has a plan for you. And you are important to God. Now I know... I've heard it so many times. Well, there's just not much I can do for God. I'm not talented. He didn't give me the ability he's given other people. I tell you, he has given you the exact ability he planned on. You may not have used it, but it is yours. God will never ask you if you can do something. He will ask you if you will do it. Because if you will, He will give you the ability to do it. I want to read, and I've got way too much to cover this morning. I'll not get it done. I'll, I promise I'll not go into the preaching service teaching. But I want to read to you 
from the eighth chapter, the twenty-eighth verse. A very familiar passage. For we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Do you believe that? It's true. There's nothing in this book that's not true. And I know some of you are going through some difficult times right now. You don't feel like you used to. Let me tell you something from experience. You aren't going to never feel like you used to. The years have gone by. You might as well face it. But we're talking about God's plan. God started and recorded in Genesis when he created everything. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit created everything. You know, we have those today who teach evolution. There's nothing as dumb as what they're teaching. Let me give you an illustration. I was listening several years ago on the TV to the History Channel. Now that is not a religious channel. And the program was that they had just discovered that every one of us, every human being, has one gene just alike. That means you and I are related. Now that gene happens to come from our mother. What is that telling you? If you go back far enough, you and I had the same mother. It all came from one. Isn't that strange? God told us that thousands of years ago. When he said that God created Adam and Eve, man and woman. Well, on this particular program, oh, they answered it. The commentators said, well, what really happened back in that time, there were not an awful lot of people. And uh, because of illness or war uh, or something, all the women died except one. And they call that science. So you see, um, I've told when I was teaching here, I made a statement one time. I made a statement when I was preaching one time I said, if you do not believe in creation, 
you better check your salvation. Because I don't think you're saved. Well, I had a dear lady come to me afterwards. And she was hot. She was upset. She said, you're wrong. No words in the Bible does it say you have to believe in creation to be saved. She said, all you have to believe in is Jesus Christ. And you have to open your heart and accept him as your personal savior. And you have to ask him to forgive you of your sins and accept him. I said, well, ma'am, that is true, but you're wrong. For the Bible says you must accept the fact that Jesus Christ is God. He never sinned. He never committed a sin. He went to the cross willingly and died. He was buried and rose on the third day, and today he's sitting on the right hand of God to intercede for you and I. I said, Jesus Christ believed in creation. He taught it. And if it's not true, he lied. And therefore, he could not be our Savior. Oh, it's easy to turn, but God created Adam and Eve. He created them perfect. Did you ever think about that? They didn't have a sin nature. And God put them in a garden. Beautiful. They had everything. Well, no, there was one thing they didn't have. Within this garden, there was one tree and God said, don't bother with it. Don't, don't eat of it. Tree of knowledge, good and evil. Well, we know the story. Adam had the same problem Satan had. Did you ever stop to think? Satan started out as a great angel, perhaps the most beautiful, wisest, most powerful of all the angels. And he had a problem. He wanted to be number one. Adam had the same problem. He said, why should I be limited? Why should I not be like God? And he sinned. And what did God do? Did God destroy Adam and Eve? No. He made a way for them to be accepted. He clothed them in skin, which means an animal had to die. It was a picture of what he was going to do. It is the picture we have all through the Old Testament. But Adam and Eve lost something. They had to leave the garden. You see, salvation is free. 
And God has promised when you accept his son that you will never have to pay the penalty of your sins. But there was a consequence to sin. You ever wonder why God in his word takes so much time, so many pages pleading with you and I to forsake sin, to forsake disobeying him. And by the way, anything we do that God told us not to do or anything we don't do that God told us to do, is sin. And there is a consequence. And God wants you to miss that consequence. What did Adam and Eve lose? They lost the garden. They lost their innocence. They lost their family. God wants you and I to be happy. I know we're told we're going to have trials and tribulations. I haven't got time to spend the lesson we should teach on that. Let you be mind of something. Trials are not to punish us. Trials are to correct us. I know. My father told me that several times when I was getting a whipping. He didn't convince me. It hurt. But God does. But that was God's first move. He restored Adam and Eve. But man became terrible. Mankind was so bad that God could only find one family that was fit. Only one family that was godly. That was Noah. His three sons, their wives, Noah's wife. And God talked to Noah. God said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. I'm going to cause a flood. <clears throat> what did Noah do? Well, Noah went to work. It took him a hundred years to build that ark. Now, Noah was a preacher. I know he preached to the people. Here he was building this huge ark. Boat. No lake, no water, no river. And he kept talking about rain, and the people say, It ain't never rained. But there came a day when God said, Okay, I'm going to fill the ark with animals. And he told Noah to shut the door. And the floods came. 
and all mankind except what was on the ark. Oh, what a picture of what Christ did on the cross. Can you imagine how terrible it was for those that could not get in the ark? Again, nothing more than a picture of Jesus Christ. And God's plan of salvation. We could go on. After time, God called a man called Abram. Later it was called Abraham. God told him, I want you to get out of here. I want you to leave your family. Go into a land I'm going to show you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Your descendants will be as the stars of heaven. And Abram went with his wife. Became a very powerful and a very rich man. Abram had a problem. Well, maybe it was mostly his wife's problem. She couldn't have children or didn't have children. And she talked Abraham into helping God. You know, oftentimes we try to help God. We don't need to help him. We just need to obey him. If we go to helping him, we'll be just like Abraham. Just like his wife, Sarah. But she gave Abraham her maiden, Hagar. And they had a son. And that son has been a thorn in the side of Israel ever since. But in their old age, they had a son. And we have the birth of the nation Israel. Whom God used to bring about his son. I want to read what happened here last week. Pastor used this same series. I'm reading in Luke in the first chapter. I'm starting in the 26th verse. Listen carefully. Now, I know it is something you've heard many, many, many times. But you know, sometimes we get so familiar with a scripture, with a passage, and we say, oh, I remember that. 
and we don't listen to it. Listen, everything is always new. And we read here, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, Galloway, named Nazareth, to a virgin and spouse unto a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. I want to stop right there. Stop and think. This young lady, Mary, the Bible doesn't tell us. But she was probably a teenager, maybe 17. They got married very early back in that day and time. And all of a sudden, she is confronted with Gabriel. What do you think Gabriel looked like? Oh, I think he was beautiful. Bright, I picture him as being big, strong, powerful. And all of a sudden, he's talking to this young lady. And notice the 29th verse. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his sayings and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this might be. And in the 30th verse, And the angel, that is, Gabriel, said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now why do you think Mary had found favor? Well, notice what we've already found out. For in the 28th verse, Gabriel told her, Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. She was someone whom God could use. She had not been defiled. There's no doubt in my mind but what Mary often went to the synagogue, to the temple. Mary lived a good life. And God could use her. And he told us in the 30th verse, he found favor. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now to save time, I'm not going to go to Elijah, but we find out almost 470 years before this, Elijah said the same thing. 
He said, a virgin shall conceive. And in the 32nd verse, and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God should give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there shall be no end then said Mary unto the angel how shall this be seeing I know not a man and the angel answered and said unto her the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born to thee shall be called the Son of God. I said God had a plan before Adam and Eve he had the plan. He was going to send the Messiah and no doubt Mary knew about the plan of the Messiah. I don't know when Mary realized that Christ was not going to set up his kingdom. Israel missed. They so looked to what God was going to do for them. Remember, they were living under Rome. They were persecuted. It was difficult for them. They wanted to be set free. And they knew the Messiah was going to rule. You read right here. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob. Not for a day, not for a year, but forever. And his kingdom there shall be no end. That's all they could see. And they missed the greatest blessing of all. But you know what? There's still yet something to come. Christ is coming back. I don't know when. I don't think it's very long. I don't know how long God can put up with this old world. But I can't measure his love either. And the only reason it took him all these thousands of years to get Christ here was he wanted to prepare it for us. And he's waited since. Why? Because he loves us. It's not his will that any of us should spend eternity in hell. Hell was not even created for us. Hell was created for Satan and his angels. But yes, man has to make a choice. 
And you know, really, when it comes to judging those that are not saved, God simply gives them what they chose. Now, what about you and I? Why are you here today? God put you here. I'll go so far as to say you're living in West Plains or in some area round about because God put you here. God has something for you to do. I don't know exactly what it is. But I know what the results are he wants. He wants people to be saved. Young people, older people. You say, well, I'm limited. So was Mary. She was just a teenager. Look what God did with her. Did you ever stop to think? Abraham was an old man. Yet he became the father of Israel. Go all through the Old Testament, the New Testament. God took Paul. Paul, a man who was, I don't know if you could call him a murderer, but he he certainly caused people to be murdered. He hated Christ. And yet God got a hold of him. You know what? God did the same thing with you. You say, well, I, I didn't persecute the church. But you were just like Paul or Saul at that time. And look what God did with him. I don't think there's ever been a man outside of Jesus Christ that could compare with Paul. That did what Paul did. Wrote most of our New Testament. And changed much of the world. And God wants to use you and I. The only thing that will keep us from being what He would have us to be is us. You see, God cannot use us unless we're willing to be used. I want to emphasize there are no unimportant Christians. You know, I, I like Paul's statement when he refers to the church as being a body. You know, you've got a million parts. They're all important. Every one of them. 
sometimes a little hangnail can give you a fit. A headache can turn your world upside down. So if Central Calvary is going to function the way God wants it to function, it's important that each one of us does our part. I don't think it's wrong to make New Year's resolutions. You say, well, I always make them and I break them. Well, I think it's better to make them and break them than not make them at all. At least you're starting in the right direction. It starts with this Word of God. You know, when you got saved, I think you need to sit down and think about what God did. Did you realize God took you? and made you acceptable to God. We could not even pray if it were not for what Jesus did for us. If God can use a teenager, and God can use old people, He can use all of us. And he will use us. Perhaps there's someone out there you know that none of the others have know. Perhaps there's someone out there if you don't introduce them to Jesus Christ they'll never have a chance. You know, God didn't say we were to get the world saved. We're just to let the world know how to get saved. So as we look to this new year, it's going to come and go quickly. And there's a pretty good chance that some of us that sit here this morning will never see the end of 2023. Our Lord and gracious Heavenly Father, how we thank you. Oh, how we thank you for what you are and who you are. What you have done, what you can do. Father, help each and every one of us. Open up our hearts and commit ourselves to you. I guess for most of us, we're not offering you very much. But Father, whatever we are, we ask you to take it, use it, glorify yourself, and change lives of people we come in contact with. Now bless, guide, and direct, lead, and use us. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.